to pitch. We're going to miss. Shut him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. It's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, VA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And Chet, we've got a full plate again tonight. Frank Fitzpatrick is in. Pete Rose is out. Fred Hugo is in. Lane Johnson wants to buy everybody beer. And we'll be announcing our fourth Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame class of 2017. And, again, I think the fans got it right. Let's see if you and I do. Oh, yeah, we are going to have fun tonight, Bill. Uh, with the Hall of Fame stuff, the resurgent Phillies, never thought I'd use those words together. And some football talk now that training camp is well underway. A lot of stuff going on here. Absolutely. Well, hey, let's get this thing going, and let's welcome Frank Patrick back to the show. Frank, it sounds like a good thing we're on tonight, not last night. Yeah, that's a good. You would have you would have got me in a little uh, a little altered state if I had been on uh, this time last night. But uh, I may have been. I probably would have been a heck of a lot more interesting. <laughs> Frank, uh, you're always interesting. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame and how you sort of kick started that whole idea 15 years ago in just a bit. But first, we've got to get your take on the news of the day, the Pete Rose mess. Two questions. Were the Phillies right to cancel next week's Wall of Fame ceremony for Rose? And secondly, exactly how despicable a guy is Pete Rose? You know, I, I think they did the absolute right thing. I mean, I mean, I really think their hands were tied. They would have preferred not to have done it, I suspect. But they really had no choice given, you know, given the number of women that buy tickets these days and watch on TV and, and, and just, just out of common decency. I mean, you're, you're almost required to, to pull the plug on that. And, you know, and I think... At some point, and, and you know, I'm 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 not bragging to say that I reached this point long ago. We, you know, you've got to. I, I think that Pete Rhodes' baseball accomplishments get overshadowed by all the stuff that's happened off the field. You know, whether he, both when he was playing and 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 after he was playing. Uh, you know, he, he's. You know, I think the term dirtball applies to him in, in both senses of the word. In baseball, dirtball is a guy that. It gets dirty, and nobody exemplified that better than Pete Rose. But he's also a dirtball in the in the in the idiomatic sense that he's uh, he he's he just can't help himself. I mean, you know, gambling, young girls, you know, amphetamines, whatever it was. I mean, he, he he's he's just a in a way, it's a he's a kind of a tragic figure. Although I don't think he's capable of seeing himself that way, but. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think the Phillies had any choice but to do what they did. And you think, Frank, it's something that they can come back and, and try to fix later? I, I see where they're they're offering refunds for tickets. I mean, it's a, it's a PR nightmare for the Phillies, but do they just put it to bed and say, act like it never happened, or hopefully yeah. they, uh, it settles down and they, they well, try to move forward? I mean, allegedly, or supposedly, they got, they got Pete to, you know, agree to it. I mean, I'm sure that he didn't have any choice in the matter, but – at least in their statement, he was quoted as saying that you know he agreed that he'd be a distraction. 
I'm not sure if he'd be a distraction to what, but uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think they can, you know, unless this lawsuit turns out to be one gigantic sham, which is, you know, from what I've read of it, doesn't doesn't seem that that's going to be likely. Uh, you know, I don't see any way that that Pete Rose comes back into the Phillies family in any kind of meaningful way. Um, and again, it's kind of it's kind of sad because there are a lot of people that remember him from those years and they would like to have had a chance to honor him because, uh, you know, the, those, those opportunities are rare in baseball with Pete. And this would have been a nice, you know, it would have been nice to, to see him and uh, remember those days again, but uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, uh, I talked to a lot of people cause I've, I've gotten to meet over the years, a lot of these athletes and certainly you've met many, many more than I, but you know, it, it's almost like uh, the thrill the thrill of wanting to meet them and the agony of actually meeting them. And yeah. and I think a lot, a lot of the time, these, these people, fans, like all of us, um, are so excited to meet a player and then so disappointed when they do. And I think Pete is one of those kind of guys. He's, he is. And there's a bunch of others. Yeah. You know, I did a story on one a couple of weeks ago on Lenny Dykstra. I, you know, I, yep. you know, we sort of oh, reconnected yeah. after, after all these years and he's another guy that falls into that category, you know? People love him because of the way he played and because of his talent. But you know, but I will say Lenny is at least smart enough to recognize that you know the kind of life he's led and and is and it is making efforts to you know to kind of rectify his uh, his reputation and his and his life. Uh, I don't see that kind of self awareness uh, in Pete. But you're right. I mean, sports is just. Sports, as you know, is just a reflection of life, and and there's that those kind of knuckleheads all over the place, and you know we shouldn't <laughs> we shouldn't be naive enough to to believe that sports is exempt. Hey Frank, while we're talking baseball and Phillies, there've been a lot of bad things in terms of the Phillies. They're certainly nowhere near though as bad as the '61 Phillies team that lost 107 games, including 23 in a row at one point, which you wrote about back in late May. But give us some reasons for optimism about the Phillies moving forward. Well, I mean, again, I think I think the farm system, although they they had some some bumps in the road this year, I think it's it, it still seems to be stocked with some talent. I, I think there are a couple of guys on the on the on the major league roster that you should be encouraged about. I mean, they're not these guys aren't going to be superstars, but I think they're serviceable players. Guys like you know Altair could be a I think a starting outfielder in the big leagues. I think I think Herrera, uh, you know, once he once he I don't know. I don't want to say settles down, but once he sort of uh, gets in some sort of sort of routine and get, gets some more self awareness, there's another guy that could use some self awareness. I, I think he's going to be a he's going to be a good player. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a couple positions you can look at out there. I, I love Galvis, and I you know I think he's they're going to they're going to have a real problem trying to figure out what to do with with Crawford. Uh, you know, I like Hernandez as a as a second baseman. Uh, he's not Chase Utley, but he's a he's a he's a he's, he can be a very good second baseman. I think he could hit close to 300 and drive in some runs, steal steal a lot of bases. Um, so that, yeah, there are there are some reasons for optimism there. Nola looks like he's he's going to be a good pitcher, not a number one guy, but a good two or three guy, I think. Um, and you know, and um, there you know the the rest of the staff. They're not gonna they're not gonna bowl anybody over, but uh, they're not awful either. They're not. You know, we're not. You talked about 1961. 
you know, we're not talking <laughs> John Bushard and, you know, <laughs> and and those kind of guys, John Boozer. Uh, Thank goodness. Yeah, really. So, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I I kind of enjoy watching them. They're 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 fun to watch. Uh, there for a while they weren't, but uh, of course when they're playing better, you you tend to see these these things. And when they're playing lousy, you tend to see the negatives. And you know, God knows there are enough of those. Um, you know, their their approaches at the plate for as much as Matt Stairs preached this last year when he was an announcer and said he was going to do something about it this year. You know, I, I don't really see a whole lot of change in that in that regard. But uh, but you know, it's it's fun to watch and. Let's uh, let's enjoy it while we can because I think these these stretches are going to be few and far between. Hey Frank, do you think that uh, the way that the pay scales and the salary structures are set up now in Major League Baseball, that uh, you know you, you've now you paid uh, Franco and you paid Herrera a little bit, and and these still, these guys are still young kids, and and you've got to do it to protect them from going other places. But in the meantime, I always go back to Charlie Manuel saying that money changes players. And yeah. I think of these young guys, and I see them struggling a, a bit. And now Herrera is starting to come around, at least on the field, but he's still mm-hmm. a bit of a knucklehead. But, uh, you know, Franco is just up there swinging for the fences every, every at bat. Yeah. I, I just, uh, you know, is that money related, or, or how do you see that? Well, I don't, I, you know, I, don't, I mean, certainly. You can't you can't uh, ignore the the aspect uh, of money. I mean, uh, it's just human nature. If you're feeling comfortable and and you're maybe not, you know, there there are some people that can remain as hungry, you know, whether they're making a hundred million dollars or whether they're making a hundred thousand dollars, they can they, they just play with that that sort of ferocity that that you don't see in a lot of these these just, you know a lot of players these days. So I mean, I think yeah, money money has something to do with it, but you know, I, I think it goes beyond that. I, you know, I, I know Mike Schmidt said something controversial when he when he hinted at when he talked about the his, you know Google and Hispanic. You know, it was a stupid thing to say, but but there, there, I really believe that there, there's some sort of cultural difference in the way people that grew up in the Dominican and people that grew up here play baseball. I mean, there's just more of a, you know sort of a, a joie de vie. I mean, a, a swing from the heels. A, a, you know, go all out on every on every play, make every play, uh, try to make every play spectacular. There's 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 no room for the routine or the, you know, and and, and it's just a, it's just a difference that I think baseball. The more and more that that it, the more Hispanic it becomes, I think I think the more fans are going to have to adjust to that that style of play. Um, you know, there's something to be said for it, both positive and negative, as with most things, but. Uh, uh, I really think that has something to do with it. I mean, it's just the way these guys grew up playing the game, and um, it's 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 difficult to change. Mm-hmm. Frank, let's switch it up and talk a little football. Uh, how are you feeling about the Eagles team heading into year two of the Doug Peterson Carson Wentz era? Yeah, you know, I, I you know I, the way I look at it, I mean, they've improved their receiving core, their offensive line looks better. I'm still not sure about their defense or their defensive backfield, but I, so much of of how they're going to do this year depends on Wentz. You know, there were there were times like last year when he looked like he was going to be a good NFL quarterback, and other times when you said, "Woo, you know, I wonder about this guy." So, uh, you know, I, I think it all comes down to him. I'll be fascinated to see how he he just seems 
he just seems so confident. Uh, he, he just seems so confident at the moment that I want to see how he starts the season. Uh, if that confidence is a reflection of the way he he's going to play, then then that's great. But if it's if there's a confidence there that maybe isn't warranted, then I, you know I want to see that as well. So I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this season because I think I think there's a there's a there's a, a there's a wide uh, variety of ways the season could go. You know, they, I think they get up. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they could challenge for that division title. Uh, you know, uh, Dallas has obviously got more talent, but they've also got more problems. Uh, you know, and the Giants and Redskins aren't going to overwhelm anybody. So I, I don't think it's unusual. I don't think it's unrealistic to think that the Eagles could challenge for the. For the title, but, but they could also Frank, finish in the last place in the NFC. Are, so, are you, uh, is it safe to say that you're you're not going to be in the front of the line for Lane Johnson's beer buying uh, Super Bowl <laughs> champion line? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably a safe bet. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> as another guy, I like to you know, I he could be a really good player, or he, you know, who knows? He, he could be another knucklehead. Maybe you know, who knows? But I think it's really an interesting season. I, I can't remember a season when. When my feelings were so unsettled about the Eagles, I don't know whether they're going to be good, whether they're going to be improving, or whether they're going to go the other way. Uh, so I'm anxious to see it. Yeah, and you know, to me, it's a it's a bit of uh, a breath of fresh air to see Carson Wentz. Like you say, he's got that confidence yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. He just he always just seems like such a great kid. You know, he reminds mm-hmm. me almost of of the Tebow whole craze thing. Uh, he's just that kind of kid, very charismatic, and uh, handles himself like a like a true veteran. And uh, to me, it's it's a breath of fresh air from an athlete. Oh, it, it absolutely is. But uh, you know, again, I I think he could be that way, and still, if he doesn't play up to ex- expectations, he's still going to get the hell boot out of him in Philadelphia. You're so. Right, right. <laughs> Hey, Frank, if I recall, you weren't a big fan of the process, but uh, with the tanking part of that now in the past, at least we hope that to be the case, are you at all excited about seeing what all these young guys can do on the court for the Sixers? Absolutely. I think that's the most exciting area of Philadelphia sports as as we talk now. You know, I think there's a lot of excitement. Well, just look at the ticket sales. I mean, that's that's astounding in in its own right. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see Simmons and, uh, you know, Fultz and uh, and Embiid, I'd love to see them on the court together. I think that you know we'll get a we'll get a feeling we'll get a, a sense pretty early of, of how good these are when they're out there together. Good these guys are when they're out there together. Um, yeah, I'm 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 really excited about the 76er season. Uh, I think you're going to see a, a big bu- you know a bump equivalent to their ticket sales and their television ratings too because everybody. I don't know about you guys, but everybody mm-hmm. I talk to—that's that's like the first thing they want to talk about—is the, you know, the Sixers, and um, you know, it's 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 astounding because the Sixers were always as good as they were. I mean, you, you know, you go back and see some of the half-empty spectrums when they had those great teams, and uh, you know, they had trouble filling the place even when they had great teams sometimes. And and this team has has generated a level of enthusiasm that's uh, that's hard to believe. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't either. Frank, switching topics on you again, real quick. Uh, you you followed or covered Penn State football for many years, and uh, the Nittany Lions are back, looking at a top ten preseason uh, 
prediction. Uh, how do you feel about what's going on up there in Happy Valley? They got the thing turned around. Yeah, yeah. Talking about ticket sales, I read somewhere today that they're sold out for the for the first time since 2008. Uh, they've you know they've sold uh, wow their tickets all their tickets to all their games. So there's a lot of excitement up there about it. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be difficult to compete with the Ohio States and the Michigans as it is every year. But I think this team is really well equipped to do so. I think I think they've got a tremendous running back in Barkley. He really impressed the heck out of me. And I like the quarterback. Okay. I like the I like the what I saw of that kid last year. I thought, you know, he's got some 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 room for growth. He's got some potential. Um, and I think Franklin is. I think they bought into. I think they bought into him. I think you know not just the not just the players and the recruits, but I think the the, the Penn State fan base has uh, you know has has taken the Franklin in a way that I didn't think was possible uh, even a year or two ago. So yeah, I'm I'm real excited about it. I, I think uh, I think those Ohio State, you know, that Ohio State game is going to be uh, is going to be something to something to watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey Frank, uh, for the heck of it, Bill and I at Philly Press Box Radio back in 2014 decided to start our own little Philly Press Box Sports Hall of Fame type of thing. But you back in the spring of 2002. Uh, I don't know if it was your intention to do it or not. You put the wheels in motion for what would become a real Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame, and you did so not surprisingly through one of your great columns. Take us back to 2002 and tell us what was going through your mind at the time and then what developed. Yeah, you know, you know, guys, I was, I was traveling around the country a lot in those days, a lot more than I, than I do now, and I, and I noticed that everywhere I went, there were Hall of Fames, sports-related Hall of Fames. There were county Hall of Fames and city Hall of Fames, state Hall of Fames. There were fishing Hall of Fames and drag racing Hall of Fames, bowling Hall of Fames. You know, and and it just struck me that Philadelphia, that a city with such a rich and long sports history as Philadelphia didn't have anything that that honored uh, you know some of the tremendous accomplishments and great athletes and teams. Uh, that that the city has produced over the over the century, you know, over the last century, and uh, being someone who's extremely interested in in the history of of Philadelphia and its and its sports, uh, I just put an item in the column one day. Said, you know, it's really strange that the city doesn't have something like that. And uh, you know, subsequently, the the guys that started it, uh, you know, Ken uh, told me that. That that was kind of the spark that that he looked at that and said, you know what, you, you know, he's right. We should have something, and he got some friends together and they and they started this thing. And you know, they've done a really great job. I think, um, you know, they're still, uh, of course, if they had a, a Hall of Fame building or center or something somewhere, it would be all that much better. But they they've really brought up a lot of. Uh, you know they've honored a lot of the greats uh, in the city, the people that that were in danger, of, I think, of being forgotten or, or who might not have ever been remembered. Uh, you know, guys, you know, men and women in in, in sports that that aren't the uh, aren't the, the big sports. And we all know we we all can put, you know, Will Chamberlain in a, in the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. But it's but they've taken the time to honor people in, in field hockey and. Uh, you know, women's golf and and things like that, and 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 I think it uh, they do a real service to to the city. It, it's it's uh, it's something that was needed for a long time, and uh, and there's and their banquet I think is one of the is one of the best events of the year. Uh, 
they bring a lot of a lot of great people in, and there's always some interesting stories from family members and uh, and I like it when they honor some of the some of the great writers from the city's past. You know, when Bill Lyon went in, or um, you know, those kind of uh, Stan Hockman. Uh, so it's 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 just been a, a really wonderfully uh, done uh, institution the way they the way they've set it up and. Uh, and I'm glad we've got one now, and uh, I just hope that it continues to grow in, in prestige and uh, and the numbers of people who who get in and and and, and want to go and and see and see uh, whatever they can you know put together to honor these people. And kudos to you Excellent. for getting it all started 15 years ago. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, Frank, again, uh, it looks like our time has gone by already, and uh, it always moves fast when we have you because we always cover a lot of stuff. And we appreciate you joining us again, and uh, hopefully we can do it again. Well, my pleasure. And, and uh, let me know when you want me on again, and I'll uh, I'll have a couple of drinks, and well, that'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll join you. That sounds like a plan. All right, there you go. That's a good idea. <laughs> All right, thanks, Frank. Hey, Take we care. Appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. Bye, bye. All right. Hey, Chet, that brings us to our Philly Press Box Radio Class 2017 Hall of Fame. And, again, I think the fans did a great job with their picks. As we as we said, they got to pick five, and then three of them, the top three, were automatically selected, and then you get to pick one and I get to pick one. Yeah, 15 great names on the ballot, so there were no wrong answers, but – yeah, the fans did a great job. Even though some folks may want to request an invitation for some, or an investigation rather, for some possible ballot stuffing related to our top vote getter. More on that later. Well, I can tell you uh, there were there were over 800 votes cast when we shut it down uh, this morning, and we'll we'll talk about that some. But we th- and certainly we thank everyone for participating in that. And as you mentioned, 15 players on the ballot. So let's just get right into it, and uh, and we'll start at the bottom with the bottom five, number 15 through 11. Uh, number 15 with the, the least votes was Basketball Hall of Famer Chet Walker with just five votes, followed by Pro Football Hall of Famer Bob Brown with six, Mike Quick in his first year with 12, Mo Cheeks with his, in his first year also, he had 20, and Chet, number 11, again, a total surprise for the second year that he's been on the ballot, at least to me. Donovan McNabb gets only 21 votes. Thoughts? Well, although number five will always love us, it seems our listeners don't have that same love for Donovan, judging by those vote totals anyway. 21 votes is pretty pathetic. I mean, we have a lot of people casting votes, and a lot of other athletes got way more than that, so... I don't know what it is about Donovan, but he just rubbed some people the wrong way. He just, you know, came across as being kind of goofy sometimes. We all remember, you know, how the Super Bowl ended, I guess. Um, I don't know, but he, he certainly deserves more votes than to come in, you know, in 11th place in this year's ballot. But, hey, that's the way it is, and the people have spoken. That's right. Okay, so moving along from number 10 to 7, okay, number 10 we have Tommy McDonald with 30 votes. Tommy just can't seem to get any traction with our voters either. Uh, number nine, Jimmy Rollins in his first year fared pretty well with 33 votes. Tied at number eight is Dick Allen with 39, and Basketball Hall of Famer Billy Cunningham with 39. Thoughts on that batch of four, Chet? 
All worthy potential Hall inductees right there. Although, to be honest, Bill, I disagreed with the committee's decision to put Jimmy Rollins on the ballot. I'm not even sure that he has officially announced his retirement just yet. And I'm disappointed, too, that Dick Allen didn't make it into the top five. You know how I feel about Crash Allen. So that's what I feel about those guys. Well, and, you know, my my first thought on Dick Allen getting only 39 votes, if he can only get, you know, obviously we're a small sample size, but if he can only get 39 votes from our listeners, how in the world is he going to get in the Baseball Hall of Fame that needs 17 votes? Well, he only came one short last year, one one shy last year, so or the last time they did it, and they're going to vote again next year, so I'm hoping. All right. Well, hey, the next batch, number six, number five, and number four were all punched up in the vote. Number six, Tim Kerr, first year on the ballot with 60 votes. The proper, Brian Propp with 66 votes. And Baseball Hall of Famer Jim Bunning with 68 votes. All three are certainly worthy, but all on the outside this year. What do you think about those three? Well, you certainly wouldn't be criticized for putting the check mark by any of those guys' names. Prop and Kerr were a couple of all-time great flyers, as anyone who watched them through the 1980s is well aware. And the late Jim Bunning was a terrific pitcher for the Phils for many, many years. So some good names right there. Absolutely. Well, hey, that brings us to our top three that are automatically inducted in the class of 2017. At number three with 100 votes, Basketball Hall of Famer, the chairman of the boards, Moses Malone, is in. Number two, Flyers and Hockey Hall of Famer Mark Howe with 103 votes. And the leading vote-getter, Roller Derby Queen and Roller Derby Hall of Famer Judy Arnold with 207 votes. Chet, that puts Judy Arnold, Mark Howe, and Moses Malone all in. Are you good with the fans' choices? Well, you know, going into this uh, fourth annual hall battling last week, I predicted that Moses Malone was the one sure thing, so I did get that right. Uh, I really didn't know who, if anyone else, though, would be sure things. Mark Howe is another all-time great flyer, and, hey, congrats to our runaway leading vote-getter, Philadelphia and Eastern Warriors legend Judy Arnold, who quite obviously has a whole lot of fans in the Philly area who used to watch her on TV every weekend back in the late 60s and early 70s, including me. The fact that Judy is a terrific woman and a friend of the show means you certainly won't get any argument from me in her going into our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Well, and I can tell you, Chad, I don't, you mentioned about ballot stuffing. I don't know if there was ballot stuffing or not, but I can tell you there were a lot of people, uh, Judy's friends, rose to the occasion and voted. A bunch of them made comments on our, our post about having watched Judy and that know her and know her now in life and nothing but good things said about Judy Arnold. So uh, congratulations to Judy, Mark Howe, and Moses Malone. No arguments there for me either but just that brings us to your pick sir who do you have since you get to pick uh we have 12 left on the ballot you get one i get one go ahead all right well he came in seventh in the fan vote but i'm gonna elect a guy or select a guy that i promised you i would vote for last week and i did one of my all-time favorite phillies a slugger who i'm hoping gets into the baseball hall next year as we discussed richie dick allen I've talked enough about his numbers in the past, but just know this. Despite the fact that he was a bit controversial and occasionally got into a little trouble, he was must-watch TV when Phillies games were on back in the mid and late 60s, his first go-around with the Phillies, and when he would come up to bat. Dick Allen is my choice this year. 
look at the numbers, look at the power numbers, talk to other pitchers and other players who played in that era with him. Dick Allen is a worthy baseball Hall of Famer, and he's certainly worthy of the Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame. Hmm. Very interesting pick, Mr. Chesko. We'll talk more about that later. That brings us to my pick, Chet. And as you know, I'm usually my own veterans committee, having selected Pete Pihos and Hal Greer in the past. I always try to keep out for those older guys. Well, I almost did it again and this year with a much-deserving Jim Bunny. But in the end, I changed my mind, and I went with the proper, Brian Propp. Prop is the Flyers' second all-time goal scorer behind Bill Barber and second all-time assist leader behind just Bobby Clark. But, Jed, in doing my research, I found even more. Prop is currently number 86 on the NHL all-time scoring list with 1,004 points, number 73 on the NHL all-time goals list, and number 93 on the NHL's all-time assist list. He had four seasons of 40 or more goals, Brian Prop is my selection for Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame Class of 2017. And, Jet, I have to wonder how this guy is not getting consideration for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, I agree. He, he was a great player, and as you and I know, because we've met him, he's a super guy also, just, just a wonderful guy. Now, I should note that I narrowed my selection down to Dick Allen and Tim Kerr, but it looked like Mark Howe was a surefire top three vote-getter, and I knew you were almost certainly going to go with the proper. So I thought, even though I love Tim Kerr, I'm going to go with a baseball guy instead of another hockey player. So I did go with the great Dick Allen. Well, and I will tell you, Mark Howell was going to be my guy, too, who I thought was maybe going to get left out. And then he made a, made a jump and got up into that top three. And that left me with Brock and Bunning um, as the guys I was really looking at. And I kind of sat and compared the two and, when I saw prop standings in the NHL, I knew what he had done with the Flyers, but when I saw what he had done in the NHL, this isn't just a, you know a good Flyers player. This is a great NHL hockey player and well-deserving to be in our Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Can't argue with that at all. All right. So that does it for another year. Jet Philly Press Box Radio, Class of 2017, Judy Arnold, Mark Howell, Moses Malone, Dick Allen, and Brian Prop. Any problems? Not from me. All right. Well, hey, I'm going to take a break while you tell us what's going on over at the Irish Rover Station House. Well, you know by now I'm a big fan of the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, and I'm joined now by bar manager Chris Gaskill. And, Chris, it is a new month, August, and there's something new also at the Irish Rover. Yeah, we're so excited. We have a brand-new express lunch, so it's designed to get you in and out in 30 minutes. So in, during your busy workday, you can stop by and have a quick lunch on our beautiful patio. Enjoy the sunshine while we still have it. And lots of new menu items, too. A farmer's salad, a turkey burger, broiled flounder. Oh, they're so good. I've been stuffing my face all week long. There's about nine new items, including our gourmet burger, which has that incredible gourmet sauce on it that I talk about all the time. I know, in fact, the Irish Rover is a finalist in Philly Mag's Battle of the Burger. Yes, we are so excited. Our guests have been amazing and helped get us there. Thank you to everyone who took the time and voted. The competition's in August, and I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Great deal, and well-deserved. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne.
I thought a snippet well, of the boys are back in town was an appropriate uh, lead into our football discussion with the Eagles having open training camp last week. You feel me, Bill? I do, absolutely. And not only are the boys back in town in green, our boy Fred Hugo is back in on the show tonight, and he's going to talk fantasy football. Fred, welcome back. We hope you and the family are doing well. Uh, we're doing great as we can, but uh, we're uh, we're excited for football. We got uh, the daughter's not even three yet. Not even she's about two and a half. She's already doing Eagles chants, and uh, we got preseason <laughs> tomorrow night. So I'm pretty pumped up for for this year. Can't wait to get started. Hey, hey speaking of yeah, that, raise uh, her right, Fred. The, before we get into the fantasy football, speaking of that, Fred, did you happen to see on tonight's Channel Six News? I was watching just a little bit ago. Trey Burton's two-and-a-half-year-old son was on there actually performing the interview, and he did a little Eagles chant, too. It was great. Uh, no, I missed it. I'll have to look that up on, on uh, online. That That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, Especially, like, they're that young, and they just do on. it, and you're like, wow. Yeah, it'll probably be on at 11 again. It was good. Great, great stuff. Love the kids. Well, hey, Fred, this is uh, actually our first time, believe it or not, in three and a half years of doing the show, our first time talking really about fantasy football. So we want you to give us a quick overview, first of all, of what exactly it is for people who don't know and how it typically works for most leagues. Well, there, there's various ways the scoring works, but, but fantasy football was, was developed way back. Well, I, I remember when I was a little kid, I'm actually playing it, but it's a scoring system that was put together so that you can – draft players throughout the league and develop a team. So you would have like a quarterback, a running back, wide receiver, tight end, and so on. And uh, depending on the league, however many roster spots you have, and, and what happens is uh, points are assigned per touchdown, per yardage, per reception, etc. And you total all those points up and you play teams every week and the winner um, and, and keep score basically, you know, uh, I remember Nowadays, it's it's so prevalent, and you, you could just plug all the information into a computer. But I remember being real little, running home on Mondays from school, excited to grab the uh, the, the paper because you would go look at all the stats and add them up manually. Now now it's just so easy. You just pick your teams, and, and the computer does it for you. Well, Fred, I can tell you, I haven't played fantasy football in many years, but when I started about years ago, it was when we did it before we had computers. And we used to get the morning paper on Monday and have to write down the stats. And Barry Sanders was my very first pick way back in uh, in those days. And things have sort sort changed now. And uh, it, as you mentioned, there's so many different ways to score. Is there is there one that's more common than the others? I would say what's what's becoming more popular than than most leagues and, and everyone's kind of in now is is the PPR league, which is the point per reception league. Um, a lot of a lot of leagues were just standard where the, the scoring was, was kind of off balance as opposed to a receiver having ten catches um, when they when they have the now they add a point into that so I'd say the point per reception league is a lot more um, used and, and common than it was back when fantasy first started. It was almost funner back then when you could for me anyway because I'm a dork about it I'm like a geek about sports so I was so excited to go do get my calculator out and do all the stats about it. I guess for the average person, it isn't. But um, I, I actually heard an argument counter to the PPR league, which is point per reception today, that it's getting too much when you have running backs like a C.O. Riddick 
that that are scoring 15 points in a week, it's kind of like, well, is he really that good to to be a value roster, a value spot on your roster? But yeah, definitely the PPR. I guess most uh, leagues will hold their draft later in August, maybe a week or so before the start of the regular season. How do you prepare for a draft? Do you, do you look at like stats from last year, or you know, how do you get ready for one of these drafts? For me, I just try to keep it keep it really simple. And, and most of my leagues, and I'm not trying to brag, I'm, I'm in the playoffs every year, if not in the championship or winning the championship. And um, I try to just keep it as simple as possible. The, the first thing you really need to do is you just have to know what type of league you're in and know what the scoring is. If if you have a, a quarterback that the touchdown pass is worth four points and a, or if it's worth six points, it's a big difference per game. So you have to know what the scoring of that league is. And then based off that, you kind of go from there. So I really just – for me personally, I just put three lists together. You know, I go find whatever that league may be, whatever type of league. So say PPR, for example, and I'll just go Google and find a cheat sheet, the most updated one I can prior to my draft of like two to 300 names and the rankings and, and so on, you know, to have with me. And then the second thing is I would bring, say, a roster sheet of, of all the different roster spots to fill. And then the third sheet I would have is like a list of sleepers. So that makes it really simple so that you don't have all these papers you're jumping around. You have three three lists set there, and as the players come off the board, you just cross them off your list, and that, that, that stops you from being unorganized. It also helps you strategize better because you can look and see, okay, I'm down 15 players, let's say, on the list, and my pick's coming up in 10 picks. You can kind of know that those 10 players – might not be there, so you start choosing from the, the the other ten off there, so you're ready when your pick comes. And another benefit to that is if a player falls, you can see, oh wow, that guy was ranked 15, no one took him, and we're we're at the 35th pick. Let's say that might be a value pick for you to go ahead and make that pick. Now, Fred, are most leagues uh, quarterback? Uh, dominated or are the is the point spread out now where everybody's important the quarterbacks score a lot of points in the leagues but the problem with and a lot of times most points it depends on the scoring system really but the the problem with that is the quarterbacks are 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 so deep you know if you have 10 teams you're drafting 10 quarterbacks it's highly likely most times there's a top two and then the rest. So drafting a quarterback strategically, I personally try to stay away from that. I don't in in the early rounds anyway. So if it's not, unless you have an Aaron Rodgers or a Peyton Manning when he, when he was a fantasy star, you know, unless you have them falling, you typically stay back on the quarterbacks because it just makes no sense. If, if you're drafting an Andrew Luck in the third round, you can get maybe a Matthew Stafford or a Phillip Rivers in the sixth, seventh round, and they're not going to be that far off as far as points goes. So the quarterback position is a good question because most people, they try to fill their roster spot and they see a quarterback, oh, let me hurry up and get my starting quarterback. But strategically, you would probably want to stay away from that till the fifth or sixth round. And even later, sometimes I go later. I personally try to fill running backs and wide receivers as a priority. 
Mm, well, Fred, we want to have you back on in uh, two weeks ahead of uh, most leagues' drafts. But uh, in the meantime, just throw one or two or three names out there as, uh, you know, maybe sleeper picks, guys that wouldn't be an obvious round one or round two choice, but who are still going to give you a pretty good season and hopefully a lot of points. Give me a couple of names. One guy I would definitely say and um, is Amir Abdullah, running back for uh, the Detroit Lions. He was a great star at Nebraska. His rookie season, he did so-so. I think he had about, had about 140 carries and, and 40 catches, somewhere along those lines. I, I was high on him then. He was out for the year last year. I think I was reading his average draft position. They have him around the fifth round. So he's, a, in my opinion, a, a nice pickup there that's not early that could – give you the statistics of a, of a first or second round pick. Um, another name, I guess you would, I would say is Paul Perkins from UCLA, the giants line. We don't know how good they're going to be, but I, I can see Paul Perkins is now the one he, he had his rookie season out of the way. He could emerge as a, as a star this year. And uh, I guess another off the top of my head, another running back would be CJ Procise from the Seahawks. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and um, it looked like they were trying to move him into more of a starting role last year, and then he got hurt. So durability is a question there. But if you can get those guys in the later rounds as your fourth, fifth running back, even third, fourth, fifth running back, they're good guys to have on your bench that could potentially be stars or trade bait down the line. Sounds awesome good. Stuff. Well, hey, Fred, we, uh, we're going to have you back in a couple weeks before the season starts, as Chet mentioned. And, uh, We'll continue this, and uh, I'm sure by then there'll be a lot of movement in camps and all that. You'll have uh, you'll be getting closer to draft force. Yeah, my mind's on the 26th, so it's exciting times. I look forward to speaking with you guys in a couple weeks. Sounds good. Sounds Fred. good, Fred. Appreciate it. Welcome back. Say hello to everybody for me. All right. Hey, Chad. All right. Eagles. Uh, Nice crowd at the open practice at the link on Sunday. People get pretty fired up about this season. Again, Lane Johnson wants to buy us all beer. What have you seen or read? Anything that's got you fired up? All these it's just eight days away at Green Bay. Well, I like the whole Lane Johnson buying us beer thing, I'll say that. I'm not going to use the word excited, though, in terms of that first preseason game next Thursday, but I am looking forward to seeing some of the new guys, although they may get only one or two series in the preseason opener. We heard today from WIP that uh, Alshon Jeffrey might not even play in the first game. He's got some little nagging problem, nothing serious, but uh, Alshon Jeffrey may miss the first preseason game. Now, we're hearing that the offense has looked real good so far in camp, but, of course, that makes you wonder if that means the defense isn't that great, especially those defensive backs that we're all going to be watching closely during the preseason and early part of the regular season to see what we have back there, especially in terms of the corners. I heard Ray Dinger today on WIP. He was at camp Wednesday morning and said, yes, the corners looked pretty bad. So that is a major concern for sure. Mm. Well, you know, I, the one article, and I posted this on the website, you know, on our website, uh, the other day was about Nelson Aguilar and how the fans have kind of taken a liking to him, gave him several different ovations, and they weren't mocking ovations. They were real ovations. And how uh, these veterans receivers have really helped him out and how he has mentally improved his game. And you know what? I hope for the kid that he gets it together and uh, – they, they could use him if he can be what they thought he could be in the first place. 
I'm rooting for him. I got to be honest. I remember last year we had Merrill Reese on him saying that he was excited about Aguilar. He thought he was going to have a good year. Didn't really work out that way. But you know what? Maybe the third year is the charm in this case. We've heard stories before that Harold Carmichael didn't really do a whole lot his first two years and then blossomed in year three. So let's see if that's the case with Aguilar, too. I'd be rooting for him. And uh, I'll tell you, that, that would be quite a receiving core. If you know, he's what we hoped he would be, if Jeffrey is the real deal, you have Jordan Matthews then as a slot receiver. Uh, that's a pretty good crew. And then Torrey Smith providing speed. You've got a lot of weapons for Carson Wentz. So, boy, if Aguilar is the real deal this year, that's going to be great. Yeah, I'm kind of looking to see how – I mentioned this last week about these receivers. I'm kind of excited to see how this all plays out because between them and the running backs, there's a lot of talent there and only going to be, uh, you know, so many that can make it. And uh, But I'm looking forward to see who they are. Yeah, me too. I want to see how they break it all down. And uh, getting back to the cornerbacks – I really think they've got to make some kind of move because I've heard several reports saying they're not looking great in uh, camp. And uh, you can't go into the start of the season with what they have back there, a rookie in Douglas, a second-year guy in Mills, and a journeyman, uh, the new guy they picked up who hasn't looked good at all as yet. So I think they have to try to make some kind of move, you know, trade something for some cornerback who has some experience. You've got to have more help back there apparently. Well, I think I think as camp goes on, you know, obviously guys are going to get cut from other teams. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're bad players. Maybe they're not the fit pair at that spot. Same with the Eagles. They're, they're liable to have some guys come available. And, you know, maybe it's a guy like Aguilar. Maybe he just doesn't – he's not going to fit here. But that doesn't mean that he's going away. Uh, my gosh, Marcus Smith, I believe, got signed already or is real close to getting signed about two days after he was out. Yeah, of by the Seahawks. So, yeah. Go figure. So, you know, yeah, just because a guy's not a fit in one place doesn't mean he's not a fit in another. And and so as as I, I'd certainly like to see it before the week before the season on the last cuts, get, you know, getting new guys in here. But there's always a possibility that they could uh, – you know, they could get somebody before the season starts. Yep, that's my one real concern. So I hope they do something to improve the situation. Yeah, and, you know, I didn't get to post this. Maybe I'll post it tomorrow. I'll dig it back out. But I read an article written by that Fran Duffy, another good friend of ours. Uh, Fran posted an article uh, on the Eagles website, and he was talking about just this sort of thing about scouting which I really thought was interesting. He was talking about what the college scouts do and the pro scouts do during the offseason. And they work just as many hours in the offseason as they do during the season. And it was talking about just things like this, where they've got a – basically they've got a scouting report on every team's 90-man roster. Every individual player is broken down. So if Joe Smith from Seattle gets cut, boom, we've already got a write-up on him. Uh, it goes to Roseman and his staff, and they could say, "Yeah, your name." So they've got they've got their homework done on all these guys. It, it was really kind of an interesting article about all the stuff that goes on in the off season with those uh, scouts. Well, if Fran Duffy put something together, I'm sure it's pretty darn good. Well, it, it is. You know, it would be factual. That's for sure. Well, we'll <laughs> see. Chet, eight days away. When we're talking next week, it will be. The eve of the preseason 2017, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, 
it's only uh, what August and early August, and I'm kind of excited about the Eagles. No, oh, I get excited every year, even if it's going to be a bad team. I get excited about the start of the base or the football season. So uh, yeah, bring it on. Let's go. All right. Hey, let's talk about Phillies, Jet. I, I don't know uh, that the Phillies made a splash at the trade deadline, but they did move four players. Um, they got seven for the four, six of which are prospects, and $1 million in international money. Um, of those guys, there were a whole bunch of pitchers, righties and lefties, uh, you know, I think it sounds like a good haul for Matt Klintak, especially since all four were free agents. It would have walked at the end of the year. Build the farm. Yeah, well, let's be honest. Neither you nor I knows much of anything about any of the prospects that were acquired. And Matt Klintak knows that they're all something of a gamble. But as you noted, all of the departing guys, Meshach, Hellickson, Kendrick, and Benoit, were on one-year deals and weren't part of the long-range plans anyway. So, hey, why not roll the dice on some prospects? In the meantime, it also opened up spots on the current big league roster for some other guys to come up and get a shot, and a couple have already done that over the last few days. So, you know, why not? These guys are older in most of the cases, especially uh, Benoit, Kendrick, and Nishak. And as I said, they weren't going to be back or highly unlikely to be back with the Phils next year. So, Move them on out, let the young guys come up and see what they have to offer, plus you get some prospects who may or may not work out in a trade. Well, and and at the end of the day, if one of them works out of the six, then you you hit pay dirt because you were losing all four of the other guys anyway and getting nothing for them. So, you know, it's it's a pretty good roll of the dice by Klintak, I think. And, hey, how about the fact that the Phillies have won five of their last six? They're getting some decent starting pitching, great pitching, of course, when it comes to Aaron Nola. His last eight starts, I think his ERA is like 1.66. Some nice hitting by Herrera, the much maligned Odubel Herrera, Franco, Nick Williams, Tommy Joseph, and they're all of a sudden playing some good ball. That is nice to see. The bad news, at 39-65 and 65 through Tuesday night, they are still on pace for 101 losses. So, it's kind of sad when the goal is to, you know, not lose 100 games. That's all you have to look forward to. But, hey, they were on pace for 108 or 109 just a few weeks ago. So things are improving. And, you know, hopefully they will start to put a few more winning streaks together down the stretch here. Well, and I think all we can hope for is improvement. And I, I think we're going to – we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. You know, we're going to see a lot of uh, – I, I think we're going to see a lot of these guys in September that people want to see come up out of Lehigh Valley. They're going to get a lot of at-bats. They're going to find out if they can be big league players. Uh, You know, you can't trade Tommy Joseph's power if you don't have somebody to replace him. You can't get rid of Galvis if you think K.P. Crawford is going to hit 220 in AAA. So you got to get these guys up. Let's see what they're made of. And and in Crawford's case, he may not have even earned a September promotion. He probably hasn't unless he gets hot here for the next three or four weeks. Uh, and he has for a while. Get so. a shot at the big leagues, right? So yeah, he's, it's he's playing be better. So let's see what happens. Yeah, and as far yeah, as Aaron it'll Nola, be an interesting you know, September. Yeah, Noah threw uh, only gave up one run last night. They ended up losing bad, but he only gave up one run. And uh, the bullpen, some of those guys, ooh, it doesn't matter who you put in there; they're not very good right now. Yeah, I think he gave up two over six innings, and uh, he threw 102 pitches, I believe, over six innings. So they had to get him out of there at that point. But uh, he's been terrific. No, no complaints about Aaron Nola whatsoever. 
well, 102 pitches. That that's phony baloney. We could have a whole debate about that for an hour and a half. Oh, I know, I know. I hear you. But no. Hey, Chad, I mentioned last week I was heading to the National Memorabilia Show in Chicago, and I'll tell you, it was a blast. I got the autographs I was after, Lance Armstrong and Oscar Robertson. And, Chad, I'm going to tell you, and I think I mentioned this last year when I was at the Atlantic City Show to you and the listeners, that if you have old baseball or sports cars in the attic or basement, it might be time to pull them out. The card market is solid. Dealers and collectors were spending serious money on good condition cards telling you it was kind of crazy money was flowing it was good but chet before we finish up on this what about galo being in the house my man <laughs> yeah i was going to mention that and by the way i'm going to i'm going to consider joining you next year because uh, it's in cleveland i think you noted uh, i'm going to hang out at the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland for a day or two while uh, your show is going on but yeah I-, I love the oscar robertson stuff you posted but more often than that, the fact that you were 15 or 20 feet away from J-Lo, that was pretty uh, impressive. Well, you know what? No one knew she was there. Uh, the way it was set up, have you ever been to one of these shows? You know, they have aisles all set up with a player's name, yeah. and it's like a bank aisle things, you know, you go through. And uh, A-Rod right. was set up all the way at the far corner, and he came. Uh, they come in from the back, he sits down, and they open up numbers 1 through 20 or whatever, and people go up. Well, and he had his little entourage around him, and boom, there's sitting J-Lo. No one knew she was there. No one even raised the fuss <laughs> about her being there. So if you just didn't wow. happen to be in that area, you would have never known she was there. And I'll bet you if you asked 90% of, or 98% of the people that were there that day, they never knew she was there. But I do, I did understand, I didn't see it, that uh, it was on TMZ that she was there. Huh. Oh, TMZ seems to get everything, so uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, Chet, it was, uh, it was a sight worth saying. I'll leave it at that. I got you. Uh, hey, thanks again to Chip Brady at 118 Sports Match Sports, Jason Pink in the Collector's Clubhouse. We had a great time, and we even got to bring in a White Sox game in Chicago. Chet, another stadium off my list and next year we're headed to cleveland i'm gonna join you i'm gonna take a flight out to cleveland and uh, hang out with you guys what the heck hey why not we'll write it down hey again let's thank uh, each and every one of our visitors to our website philly press box radio chet we cracked the eighteen thousand visitor mark this week twenty thousand here we come uh october 5th i believe or so is our anniversary we got about uh, two months to rack up 2,000 visitors, so we're going to keep updating it, keeping all the good stuff coming, and hopefully uh, the listeners want to see it, and, uh, and and we'll go to the website and check it all out. Their Vimeos are always good. We have our uh, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan, like your age, all there, and uh, certainly go click on all the items, check it out, and we thank everybody that has been doing that thus far. And, Chad, and hey, we got some nice Nick, reaction, nice reaction to our yes. uh, poll for the Hall of Fame too. So thank you. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. As I mentioned, there was a lot of uh, good comments, both left on the website and just made in general about that. Well, Chad, hey, next week we'll be discussing part two of our Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Fame class, where we pick our announcer, and we selected Harry Callis last year. We have Bill Campbell, Gene Hart, and Merrill Reese as the carryovers, and we'll add one more 
before we discuss them all next week. Do you have any and do you have any guests lined up to join us next week? Yeah, matter of fact, on the eve of the Birds' first preseason game, as we noted, we have a legendary Eagle, a two-time first-team All-Pro, a member of the Eagles Hall of Fame, and a guy who still today shares the team record for career interceptions, 34 of them. He was on with us a year ago at this time, and he's back to share more stories and to talk about the current Birds, too. The great defensive back from the early 70s, lives out in Texas these days, Bill Bradley, a real character and a super guy. Super Bill. Boy, I can't wait forward to that. Or can't look any forward to that. Bill, we talked to him at the golf outing. He's great. And, uh, you know, he, he referred me to a book, Chet, uh, that I did buy and I have read. And Bill is a key part of that book. And uh, we'll, we'll share some about that. And it's it's an excellent, excellent book about uh, something Kevin Riley shared with us, which spurred me to ask bill about and sure enough it was true and uh the 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 gist of it is bill was a key reason why football was integrated in the state of texas bill bradley did that so i never knew that yep and you know kevin mentioned something about it on the show i asked bill about it he said absolutely true and uh told me a book to buy which i did i read and uh sure enough bill bill bradley so we're gonna have a lot to talk about with that All right. Well, Mr. Chesco, do you have a parting shot tonight? I do. Earlier in the show, we announced our new Philly Press Box Radio Hall of Famers for 2017. Bill and I selected Brian Propp and Dick Allen, respectively, while our listeners and other voters elected Sixers great Moses Malone, Hockey Hall of Famer Mark Howe, and the top vote-getter by far, roller derby legend Judy Arnold. Go figure, right? Now I know some folks might think it's kind of silly to put a skater from a not 100% legitimate sport into a Philly sports hall, but then I think back to how I, as well as my dad and many of my friends, made it a point to watch the Philadelphia and Eastern Warriors every Sunday night on TV in the late 1960s and early 70s. It was great, great entertainment. I also went to see Warriors matches live on three or four occasions and loved every minute of it. And Judy Arnold was the face of the sport back then, at least here on the East Coast. Was there maybe a little ballot box stuffing on the part of Judy Arnold's fans? Good possibility, but that is just evidence of how highly regarded she is with her legions of fans. And having met her myself on a couple of occasions, I can tell you that she is a terrific lady who appreciates every single person who holds those fond memories of her and their sports glory days. And please, folks, don't be too disappointed if you voted for Tim Kerr and Billy Cunningham and they didn't get into our hall this year. Remember, this is all for fun, and there's always next year. Absolutely. And Chet, I just have a very quick parting shot that I just kind of talked together here. And, uh, but I want to say, go back to something I said with, uh, when we were talking to Frank about the athletes, you know, many people want to meet athletes and sometimes they walk away with a bad reaction. We've been very fortunate that the people that we have had here at Philly press box radio, the former players have been great players and great people. And we've got to enjoy them. But that, that's not always the case. So I guess my, my thought is enjoy what they do on the field. Don't worry about what they do off the field because you might not want to know them anyway. All right, Mr. Jensko, that gets us to the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, Frank Fitzpatrick, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. 
For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, August 9th at 7 p.m. when Super Bill Bradley joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. E-S-E-L-E-S-E-O!